Hey everybody, welcome to this month's episode of Inside the Squad. So in this episode, we have one of my friends, one of my partners, he's a detective, Detective Kevin Miller. We had just a good conversation, really no agenda, I just wanted to talk to him. He he has great character, uh, like I said, good cop, great detective, and we, we, just, we just had a good conversation. We had fun this time, and I hope you enjoy it. I've seen her so many times in the past week. I just feel, I feel good. Yeah. Maybe I need to go. I don't know. She looks good. She's got a tan going on. She does. Uh, yeah. Apparently, my sunscreen was expired. Either that, or I mixed <laughs> it up with my with my deep tanning oil. <laughs> <laughs> well, you look great, and the whole crew's here. Yes. And we have a special guest, Detective Kevin the Kev Miller. That's how you not, doing, buddy? That's not Good, really his nickname. It is. It's Kev. Just for today. You know, we, we need to cue some sound effects. So you just got to make sure you're probably like a fist away. So don't be shy. Okay. Is that how they refer to him on the radio? The Kev? Yeah. We're going to. How you doing, buddy? Good. How are you? Good. You might have to get a little closer. Well, the problem is that he's kicked back with his feet up. He's, That's the problem. He's trying to relax. Kicked back. Have to trying relax to get while I'm in the here. There you go. There you go. <laughs> No, thanks for being here, man. So we uh, we were going through like, okay, who's our next podcast going to be? What division have we not been to in detectives? Yep. And you are our first choice. I appreciate it. Glad is that to be fair here. to say? Yeah, he, he was not our third choice, I promise. He was our first. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> no, so how are things going? Uh, busy. Uh, you know, uh, it's like never ending, it seems like. Yeah. Now... Up in Detectives, you've been there for uh, almost five years, I believe. Really? Yeah. Man, time is flying by because we worked on the North End together on patrol in District when I took over District 2 from Officer Switzer. Yep, and I was in District 3 downtown. And then it's been five years ago that you left patrol? Yeah, I believe it was. Um, I think in August it'll be five years. Wow. I'll, I'll be starting my fifth year, I think, in August. Okay. All right. So. so, and you're in juvenile, right? Yeah. Have you been in juvenile the whole time? Yes. Do you like that? I do. do. You like juvenile? That's, that's where my passion is. So, if, if people didn't know, you got two, two sides, criminal and, and juvenile. And so, Detective Miller's with juvenile division. Uh, so, basically, it's anything that's involving a juvenile, you, you know, whether it's crimes against children or whether it's where the the child is a suspect or a juvenile is oh. a suspect. Um, it doesn't matter which kind of case it is. That's, that's just what we handle on our end. Oh, okay. So I, I guess I didn't know that. So even if they're uh, a victim or a suspect, you guys get the case? Yes. Okay. I didn't know that. Did you know that, Patty? I kind of did. I used to know a juvenile oh, that's right. detective. And, of two. course, Captain Phillips knows that because he ran the show. He was there for a while, yeah. Well, and I think it's important to point out, as a juvenile detective, you're still on call and subject to sh- catching cases that simply cases that would land on the juvenile side. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's robberies funny. and shootings, stabbings, things of that nature. Yes. It just occurred to me, and you said juvenile detective. Kevin is not a juvenile. He's a detective in the a juvenile point. division. That's a good point. I mean. Did I call well, him a juvenile? No, well, no, 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 no. Oh, okay. It's, it's juvenile's detective, right? Oh, gotcha. But, you know, to the man on the street, you have juvenile detectives? Oh, <laughs> I, didn't, I wasn't even thinking that we way. We have a junior police academy. That's, we do, which is coming up. When's that? Is it full? Is that full? Uh, there are two spots left. Two spots left. This will probably be out. It starts in two weeks, so this will probably be out before then. And how would an interested listener contact someone about that? Yes. The point of contact is Sergeant Mike Brown, Lafayette Police Department. Outstanding. Or they can email to anyone here at the Lafayette Police Department, and we'll get that process taken care of. If they spend all their time on social media, they can go to the City of Lafayette's Facebook page. There you go. See on the calendar there. There you go. Or LPD's Twitter page, too. Oh, you got me. I was going to say that. Right. Or next door. There you go. It is on next door. Yeah. Yeah. 
So tons of ways. You could even come down to records and request, and we can chat with you and get your son and daughter in there. It's a good program. It is. Kevin, do you have anything to do with the uh, Junior Police Academy? Not this year. I don't. I have taught in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've, I think it was two years ago I taught a, a section of it, a reference to um, sexting and um, kind of just what detectives do. Um, it, it was fun. It's the, the hazards of social media and cell phones and electronics. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, catch big a lot of big issue with juveniles today. Catch How? a lot of cases involving the um, social phones, media and phones social and, and, and that kind of stuff. What do you yeah. think the number is? Do you think it's pretty high as far as cases that are involving technology in some way, shape, or form? I would say probably 99% of our investigations that we do involve some kind of electronic device. What about... Well, yeah, so, like, if they're sending texts or talking to whoever. Right. But what about the crime actually being committed with with the, with, with the phone, with social media? Uh, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of communication that's done through Facebook and through yeah. Snapchat. And so I think it's probably more than what we would suspect. So. Yeah, no, I I would guess it's really high. And so if people don't know, we before we started the podcast today, we were just going to have a conversation. So we may end up going off on a tangent on something just just to forewarn our listeners. But so with that being said, social media yeah, it's just crazy. What's in your experience, what do you think the youngest age should be for a juvenile to have a cell phone? Oh my gosh! That's a great question. That's, that's that a good question. Great question. question. Wow. Yeah, you're, you're going to get a wide range. I said in his experience and in his opinion. I'm just Boy, curious. Way so to what put him on think? the hot seat, man. I, I think it kind of depends too where the, you know, we're talking about where where the kid comes from. You know, if if it if it's a child that has to go home and spend hours at home before mom and dad get home, you know, yeah, um, then it's going to be a little bit different than somebody whose parents already at home and they don't need to have communication back and forth with mom and dad or if, if they're still at work. So I think, I think there is a wide variety of answers that you could get from that question. Um, I would prefer it to be uh, 22, maybe 21. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's, so that's why I'm kind of going with it. You know, you know, us having young children, I'm looking at, you know, when we were growing up, I didn't have a cell phone until I was 19 and you know, everything turned out okay. But now I, I, even though I lived in that time where we didn't have cell phones and we made things happen, my mindset is, is like, okay, I would want my child when, once they're old enough, which I'm not sure what that age is, to have a device so I know to get hold of them. I just don't know. But all the bad stuff that could come along with it. And, you know, I know that comes with parenting and whatnot, but as you have seen, it doesn't matter. I don't really think how good or intelligent the child is, they can always potentially be um, caught in that trick bag, right, of somebody just saying the right thing. And that's scary. I mean, Well, I, I think what's equally concerning is the number of apps now. I mean, our, our youngest is you know, 21 years old, soon to graduate college. But when he got his phone, there were very limited applications out there on social media that yeah. a parent couldn't monitor. And so now there's so many apps that parents don't have access to, apps that, you know, things disappear quickly once it's sent, and it's intended by design to do that. And I think it's really difficult. I mean, we've talked about this kind of issue before, but that's some of the challenges, I think, for, you know, when you work these cases and with when you're talking to parents and, and dealing with, you know, juveniles that are engaged in, in social media and those different apps. That's right. not like it was 10 years ago. Well, there's apps hidden inside of other apps, too, you yeah. know. So you, you might think you're looking at one app, and that's not what the app actually is. Really? Uh, yeah. And it, by design to to hide, hide pictures, stuff, yeah. Uh, to hide messages, to hide. Kevin. Now, is that new? Is that something you're seeing a lot? or? Uh, I would say we're seeing it often. And you have some amazing forensic tools. So if you have control of someone's cell phone, you can dig in and see what's happened with it, right? So we we transfer that over to our high tech crimes unit, and ah. they, they're able to um, manipulate phones and manipulate computers where they can 
access information that we wouldn't be uh, privileged to if we didn't have that high-tech crimes unit. Right. So that might be a, a, a word to the wise. It's like you have been told that once you put something out on the Internet, it's there forever. Um, these apps that we think things go away after 24 hours or something or you think it's hidden, it's really not. Somebody's right. going to find it. Somebody will see it. So as a patrolman, you know, we will seize the phone, right? Mm-hmm. And then it gets sent off to evidence and then eventually potentially to the high-tech crime unit. So as a patrolman, you don't really see what's unlocked on the phone. So as a detective, was it pretty interesting to see, like, what was all on a phone when, I mean, have you been privy to that or? Yeah, I mean, it's amazing what, what, what you can, what kind of information you can obtain, you know. Um, I, I can remember working a case shortly after I came upstairs with Facebook records, you know, and subpoenaing Facebook records. And um, six months worth of Facebook records was 35,000 pages that was sent to me, you know. I mean, it, wow. every, everything was there. there. There was – people don't realize that that information is saved. And, and So how far back did it go? Or was it literally everything? Well, I, you know, just to kind of depends on what the scope of your your subpoena or search warrant says. You know, I, if, if we're only allowed to go back for, you know, if the crime was committed at a, a certain specific time, then we're only going to go as far back as we, we need to or the yeah. law allows us to. So that was just for a six-month period. For one account. For one account. Yeah. Yeah. And 35,000 pages, you said? Yeah. That's incredible. That is, that's a lot of information. Well, so with that being said, I was, uh, yesterday, I was looking something up on my phone, and the person next to me that was not looking that information up on their phone, what I was looking up popped up on their feed on Instagram, I believe. Even the, ex- like the details of the item that I was looking up, it was a piece of clothing, and I was a little... I was like, okay. Freaked like, out? Well, yeah, I was like, are they listening? Or is it bouncing off the towers? Like, I don't know what it is. I haven't looked it up. I Do think you know? they're listening. Because before we had our daughter, we were in the car driving around, me and my wife, talking about diaper sizing or something. We hadn't posted on Facebook about diapers. We hadn't posted really anything. All of a sudden, diaper ads start coming through our feed because we talked about it. And what do you think, Patty? You think they're listening? You think it's I think coincidence? There are, there are algorithms. But if he doesn't type anything in, I, I, I'm with you. I think there, it's there bouncing are other off ways. towers. I mean, if you've got a, a frequent shopper card somewhere and they notice that you're starting to buy things that a normal person would then progress to diapers or something, then oh, yeah. they're going to send you diaper stuff. They're listening. Okay, they're listening. They're listening. All right. Okay, yep. well. No, oh, they, yeah. You say I, that with confidence. I, well, yeah. I mean, it's it's happened to my wife and I a couple of different times. The most recent one, we were we were talking about, you know, hardwood floors putting down in the house. And you literally, within, you know, 10 minutes of getting on your on my phone and social media, there's there's the ads for hardwood floors start popping up. Do you and, have a, a home assistant no, device? No. I haven't bought one yet just because, I don't know. I have them. I have them in almost every room. Let them listen. Make my life easier. Come (laughs) on. I'm not doing anything wrong, so help me out. I don't even really know how that would help me. Read the news headlines and the weather. Like, I've got I carry my phone everywhere I go, so I don't. Yeah. Well, if they're listening on your phone, then. That's true. See, that's the tough thing about being on call, because, you know, on SWAT, we're on call. You're not on call anymore, are you? I'm always on call. Well, that's, that's true. Always on that's call. true. Yeah, you're probably even more on call. Well, okay, so with that being said, I think it's important to get away from the phone, you know, to get that thing out of sight, out of mind, not checking it. But the problem is, is when do we do that? Yeah, that's almost a luxury, isn't it? To be able to walk away from your device. Yeah, I mean... Even when I'm out like mowing the lawn or whatever, if you know we get called out, I need to to know that that's happening. So, you know, vacation. That's that's well, you when know you what? Do that's it, right? a, that's a good point because that directly impacts Kevin and the detectives. 
in that division as well. Yeah. Because even if they're not on call for the day, they're always on call. Because if there's a major incident that occurs, you know, all hands on deck, right? Just had this conversation a couple of days ago, I believe. We know, did. Yeah, See, and we it did. was the algorithms that I knew, so that's why I'm talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> See that, Patty? See how I, I threw I that in there? Say, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so we're on call. Technically, we're on call about every 12th day. Uh, every 12th day? Every 12th day we're on So call. answer me this, and I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus. How often are you getting a call because somebody doesn't have their phone on them? Uh, I would say I've, I don't know maybe of one time in five years that I've been called because somebody else didn't answer their phone. Really? Yeah. Well, that's good. Maybe so, once. I, I, I don't think it's not something that happens on a regular basis at all. So. You know, so that 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 to me that kind of is a perfect opportunity to go into a little bit of a different area with Kevin and detectives because, you know, along with the stressors that come with the caseload and the types of cases that detectives are exposed to, that on call aspect of never being—I mean, you can't just turn this off right. when you're home. I'm holding up my phone, by the way. I know I, Patty was going to say, "What are you talking about? You're holding something up," but you can't you can't just turn that off. It, it's it's a part of you. So it's any next. alert that comes across the CAD pages, um, any notifications of, of something that may be occurring in the city that, you know, I you pretty much 99% of the time it's next to me. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're never unplugged unless you're out of the state on vacation. Right. And then you're probably still thinking about a caseload that you have back in the office. That I left. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, always in the back of your head. So here's a, here's a question I have. So what, what are the mechanisms that you have in place to kind of cope with those stressors? It's ringing right now. <laughs> You're, who, the wife? No. <laughs> oh, the phone's ringing. The phone is ringing right I thought, now. like, the wife, his wife was the coping mechanism. No. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's Maybe good. Maybe sometimes, sometimes not. That's, <laughs> that's, that's pretty presumptive of you. You don't know who was ringing. I'm just, you know. I saw him look at it in his watch because everybody – that's one thing I do not wear. I cannot wear watches. I can't do that. So the whole Apple watch. Oh, you could. This, this no, is the, I, I'm, not could. A, I'm not a jewelry guy. I disabled that for my I'm Fitbit. tired of charging things. That's the only reason I didn't yeah. get an Apple watch. Let's I, let Kevin – I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, this is about Kevin, you know. <laughs> um, coping mechanisms. Uh, I know one. The gym. Yes! I knew I was waiting. <laughs> I love it. Uh, that's probably my main, really my main one. Um, I, I try to get there, I don't know, four, at least four times a week, if not more. Um, How does that, does that, because you started really working out how long ago now? Uh, about Since we opened it? About 18, I would think it was when, when when did it open? Was it open in February? So February of so eighteen. I really open I really what? Our gym. What gym? Oh, I'm sorry. So we have our own gym. We've have we talked about this before? We have. We have our own training facility now, um, because of our our admin and and the realization that physical fitness is very very important for us. So we've opened up our own our excuse me I can't talk our own gym at the training facility or our training center and. Um, it's a full CrossFit gym with all the equipment necessary to get a good workout in. And it's open 24-7 for our men and women to utilize, and it's really been been awesome. And so Kevin has been utilizing it since we opened in February of 18. I think I started really started going like in April. Okay. Like I really started um, like a consistent yeah. uh, since April of 18. And has that been a game changer for you? Yeah, yes. Uh, I'm sore all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But he comes back. Right? Uh, it, yeah, it's been a huge game changer for me. Um, I was just, I don't know, kind of unhealthy, Didn't know, thought I was healthy, but I, I realized I wasn't. Um, and it's kind of really it's changed my life, to be honest with you. I mean, I feel better. Uh, my mind is better. My Good. body's better. Yeah, you look great. I know that seem like you have a little more pep in your step, and I'm sure it's helping you in your cases and family life, right? Right. Good, good. And that you're not the only one, right? We got a, several of our partners that have really taken to it. One being you, sir. That's correct. I, I probably jumped in 
a few months after Kevin did. And relatively same time frame. The bearded man's uh, sitting next to me, Alan. Yep. That's, uh, it's probably been a year now. Yeah. Since we've been going. Yeah. Natalie and Amanda just kept bugging me and finally started going. You like it? It's fun. Good. Uh, it's good to work out with somebody and they're all doing the same thing. So you. Motivated. Yeah. Stay motivated and determined to. Yeah. Finish. Absolutely. I, I've kind of seen like a benefit where I've met people at the gym that work for the city that I would have never probably really spoke to prior to that, Mm -hmm. you know, you build relationships and you actually start talking to them and then, and then, you know, you see them out, out in the public or whatever. And I mean, it's just, it's good to, it's good to build some relationships with people that you typically wouldn't do that outside of the police world. Yes. Yeah, for sure. So kind of switching gears just a little bit, what, what are some of the, attributes that you think a, a good detective needs to have well obviously i mean you got to be able to talk to people i mean that's crucial you know um you have to be able to sit down in a room and be able to carry on a conversation um pretty or, pretty organized um but then you have to be able to deal with chaos too because there's plenty of times where we come in and you know it's things are things are coming in quick you get information quick cases come in quick um and you got to be able to put things where you need them and pu- push things on the back burner if you have to and kind of let that go to, to focus on what, what's going on right now. So prioritizing yeah, and just time management, prioritizing. Um, but, you know, I mean, the guy, don't get me wrong, guys on patrol, they're, they're, they got a lot of stress too and they got a lot of things going on. Um, but you ha- also have to ha- kind of be able to have some fun from time to time too and kind of relax and come together and, and, um, you know, I mean, it's just, it's crucial. I think, I think the one thing I, I've noticed a difference in between patrol and us is patrol stresses, obviously in the moment for that 12 hours. And don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, I know guys and, and our women take it home, unfortunately, but at the end of that shift, they're done. Right. Cause we are supposed to have our reports turned in everything's done right and so they can go on their next couple or a few days off not worrying about oh what do i have to get done when i get to work that next shift uh to where in our world i know i'm constantly like oh this is what i gotta do tomorrow and the next day and the next it's it's like never ending it's always so in the I back of your like, head I mean, yeah it's, it's always in the back of your head and then that's really the big difference again versus patrol to where you can kind of just go oh i'm done for the next two days until i come back uh, so I don't know which is worse. I'm not saying, you know, but that's what I've really noticed. And that's why, uh, you know, I don't know. And, and with the phone and the emails and, you know, you can't help yourself, even though we're carrying it cause we're on call, you check those emails cause people might be sending you some, um, well, I get voicemails on my email. So yeah, I do I, too. You know, yeah. You're checking those to see if somebody's calling in cause some new lead has come in on a case or something else has happened and you need that information. So it's like, it's, I'm a constantly checking mine. Yeah. And then so. you're, you know, your captain, he sends emails at 10 o'clock at night cause he can't put his phone down either. And then you check them and then, yeah, it's true. I'm calling you out on, on air. <laughs> it's true though. Right. So uh, we're all guilty of it. Is yeah, But you're, you're reading your email at 10 o'clock at night. He's well, he, sending it because he doesn't want to be intrusive. Oh. It's your option whether or not to read it at that hour, right, I, Brian? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I think that's a really good point, and I think that, you know, when when Ian makes that distinction um, between the stressors of patrol officers and when their shift is done, they really are, you know, they get to be done, and that decompression starts right away. Whereas for detectives, you don't really have that decompressing moment. You have to find those smaller moments in a 24-hour period or throughout the week to kind of let yourself unwind a little bit and cope, right? Right. I mean, that's that's the key. That's probably the biggest difference, I think, between patrol and detectives. And, and detectives don't have or administrative personnel most of the time are not dealing with those really elevated high-stress moments like yeah. patrol officers are, and then boom, they're down, and then boom, they're back up, depending on the nature of the call. Whereas for detectives, it's this steady, steady level of stress 
that just keeps increasing and increasing. And then your caseload, you work a few cases out and it drops a little bit and then boom, it spikes with that two o'clock in the morning phone call. And that might last for 72 hours, depending on the case. Right. And that's, that is a psychologically, that's a big deal. It really is. But if you kind of step back and look at it at the end of the, you know, at the end of that career, I think everybody is equaled out, right? Because those highs, those highs on patrol, but the steadiness of detectives or admin services, it's affecting everybody. So that's why it's so important to eat right, exercise, have those times away from. So, you know, if there's officers, new officers listening to this or people who want to get in police work or people who just have a high stress job, I think it is so important because the job's always going to be here. Um, you know, when you leave and your family, they're the ones that are going to be there, you know, when you walk out the door. So you have to spend time with them. You have to get away. Right, Patty? I know you lived w- with it for a long, long time. time. Um, yeah, because not everybody can it. have me as a wife. So, you know, for the rest of you mortals, then, you know, you have <laughs> yeah. to have these these things in place. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, even you guys, I mean, don't you like when you get off because you, you're off on the weekends, right? Unless you guys call me. Yeah, so you're on call as well. I mean, don't you think it's important? Do you find yourself going home at the end of those shifts or the end of that week and going, all right, the phone is off. I'm going to set it here. And unless it goes off, you know, I'm not going to check emails. I'm going to spend time with my family, and then I'll be back at it Monday. I put do not disturb on on my phone. Um, I mean, I want to hang out with my daughter and my wife and not have stuff blinging in the background. So, and I think it's just healthy to have that separation and when you yeah. have a supervisor that's supportive of that you know but we're definitely not police work so we're not that no but you I guys work that, hard yeah that carries over to anything any job you have that you care about though yeah I mean, it's it's difficult for everybody to unplug go ahead well i was gonna say i think it'd be tough you know you see i know this is a poor example but in the movies the hard-working cop he's hanging out at a ball game with his kid and he gets that phone call i mean I'm sure that really happens. You're yeah. at the you're at the band thing or the, the, the football game, and you have to leave, you know. And I think, I mean, that's got to be that's got to be tough. Yeah. Well, our phone calls always seem to come when I'm literally getting ready to fall asleep, and Lieutenant Milady sends a text saying, "Get dressed," which is because we got everybody's gotta, always telling rattle. me to get dressed. Though. Well, it's full but it's rattle. because. We're supposed to be putting our SWAT gear on, just to be clear, okay? But he does. That's the text. Get dressed. That's how you get prepared for the call out. That's when he's saying, wake up, get ready, because you're getting called in. I, I know, Patty. Are you blushing, Ian? Yes. Okay. So, been five years, or it's going on five years, you're starting five years. Where do you see yourself moving in Nowhere. the future? Nowhere? Nowhere. You, I mean, you, you love it that much? I do. That's awesome. Where my passion is. I think it's great. So what what was the driving force behind you putting yourself out there to become a detective? Because that's not an easy process to be selected as a detective. Um, it's not. Um, I, the, the, the reason I did it is I had some personal stuff go on in my life that um, drew me to juvenile crimes. Um, and I felt it was necessary for me to, I'll say, help help some kids. Um, and that's that's why I have passion for it. I want to be able to, to um, make sure kids are safe and make sure that bad things aren't happening to them. And that's, that's the driving force for me. So to give people an idea, how many cases have you worked just this year? This, well. Or this yeah. month or whatever your numbers go by. So. My caseload is down a little bit this year because I spent 11 weeks at polygraph school at the beginning of the year. So oh, that's right. I forgot about that. I, I'm at probably somewhere between 25 and 30 probably cases for the year. So mine's down. I think a lot of the other um, detectives in the juvenile division are probably close to 40 to 50. Each. Each. Yeah. Yeah. So polygraph school, yeah, that was... 11 weeks. 11 weeks. And I could tell halfway through they looked like they hadn't slept for a week because it was pretty strenuous, right? It was. A lot of studying, a lot of uh, 400 hours or almost 440 hours, really. 
Are you glad you went through it, though? I am. It's fun. It's in, it's neat. It's a very uh, interesting topic. So not only is he a juvenile detective. See, I, I wanted a little separation there because I never I heard considered what yes. you said until earlier. So not only does he do that, he's also one of our polygraph examiners. So give us an idea of what you're doing in that role as well. Uh, Pre-employment. Um, so if somebody gets a job offer, I guess, with the police department, puts an app with the police department and um, makes it through the application process, uh, we, we offer a poly, they offer them a polygraph, and I would administer the polygraph for pre-employment um, and then also criminal cases. So you guys are using them for criminal cases. Yes. Does that happen often? Or? Mm, I, I don't know if I'd say often. I know there was, there's been some done since I've been back from polygraph school, which I think I was back in April, maybe, but okay. um, they're, they're, we, we do use it for criminal cases. Do, uh, so to give somebody an idea, because we all have been in the hot seat, right, for <laughs> right? employment. Right. All of us. And, um, so all cops. Oh, oh right? okay. We, just, we can schedule speak. that, Patty. Alan, did you have to? I did. I, yeah. I, I, I got to interview with a detective when my husband was going through the hiring process. Oh, yeah. So that was, you know. That was awesome. Yep. We, spouses, they're all getting talked to, boyfriend, girlfriend. Uh, but I guess, yeah, well, I dispatchers, have... they get polygraphed. Records clerks. IT uh, guys. Mm-hmm. Got to make sure Alan's on the up and up. We, we have more access. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, well, yeah. I did mine. We did. He could probably do some damage with all his IT experience. I just know how to open up my email. And Aren't our uh, polygraph instruments made here in, in town? You what? Lafayette Instrument Company. Yeah. They make polygraph. Do they make our polygraph stuff? Uh, they do, yeah. They do, yes. Fun and fact. Don't they make that for like the whole country? They're, they're, like, they're one of the biggest polygraph suppliers in the country, in the world, I, be- I believe. Yeah. Right here in Lafayette, Indiana. Yep. There are so many gyms here in Lafayette. Is that not the word I should have chose? Gems? Gems. Not like gem. Oh, I meant like... Like jewels. Like jewels, yes. Oh, okay, yes, yes. Little gems. Treasures. Little oh, beautiful gems. gems. Uh-huh. There's also a lot of gems as oh, well. Like, what? How'd we <laughs> get all back? the gems. And then there's probably I, a lot I of guys named Jim as dots. well. Gems also. <laughs> See, I knew we were going to have fun today. I just want to throw that out there. I knew we were going to have fun today. You're having fun. And captains aren't allowed to have fun. I always say that. I'm going to make them a t-shirt eventually. This, this is the one time a month I have fun. So. <laughs> no, kidding. On the clock. Right. So have you – so anyways, going back to the hot seat, it's kind of like in the movies, right? So we have the chair, a little leather chair. We do have a chair. You have the strap that goes around your, your diaphragm. And mm. you like that, didn't you? Two straps. Two straps that go around the old diaphragm. You just thought I was going to say belly. One, one upper, then, one lower. And then the finger. And it literally has the little machine that has the little, the little lines that are drawn. And so we, you, we do not when use. When you lie, it spikes, right? It's computerized. It's not. Oh, a, it is. We went yeah, to computer. It's not a um, long time ago. Yeah, we used to do that, right? Because I'm pretty sure that's what mine was. I, I think mine was a computer when I got hired. That was 11 years ago. Huh. Well, it's computerized. You can't anyways. carry the sheet and say, "Look, you were lying." You don't. You don't. Yeah. You don't. <laughs> Essentially, carry the, the, the atmosphere though is almost like that of a movie. It that is. is one thing in the movie they do get pretty right. Except is, for the part about the spiking when you're lying, Kevin. Does it spike, or does it? Is it spike on the computer screen? So basically, it's you know, it's I, I wouldn't say it's like a, a spike, but are you, are you allowed to talk about any of this? It's a pattern. <laughs> It's it's you know it's it's basically your your um, your measuring uh, change in behavior yeah. galvanic skin response yeah, I mean, yeah. so your which, comfort level which is your sweat gland activity right yeah, I mean that's a that's mm-hmm. not, doesn't really necessarily matter how much you sweat it's just kind of when mm-hmm. when you sweat you know so that's interesting it was eleven weeks you said yeah if, so forty forty uh, forty hours of it. At the end was for um, an advanced portion of polygraph. Nice. Post-conviction sex offender test. Now, that's something you can take once you leave law enforcement and you could go do Correct. somewhere else, right? Yes. Like at the grocery store? I, I suppose. Right. You know, they, you can measure your blood pressure there. You might as well have Kevin sitting there with a little... <laughs> I think they. I think <laughs> bring they, your uh, wife. They outlawed that. <laughs> they outlawed that. 
No, that's a good school. I, I know that I was interested. Then I was like, eh, I don't know. I just I have enough on my plate. But our sergeant, Sergeant Brown, went. Yep. Both of you guys, right? Yes. How many polygraphers do we have? Is that what you call them, polygraph examiners? We have six, I believe. Polygraphers. Polygraphers? Polygraphers. We have six, I believe. Hmm. I, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, Fort Jackson, South Carolina? Is that where you, where you went? Oh, it was here in Los It was here. They came here. Oh, the polygraph school? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We hosted it, right? If people don't know, yeah, we, we host trainings here up at the training center, so that was one of them. Uh, they're finishing up Taser today, I believe. So I think we've hosted it the last two times, right? That we've, we have sent... ho- we've hosted two classes. Yeah. Yeah, here. I, I have a question for you, Kevin. Okay. I know that police officers, patrolmen, and women handle a lot of crime. What does it take to turn that crime into something that a detective is going to look into? Um, really, the the detectives get involved in more of your high level felonies. Um, you know, so we're we're working robberies and we're working the shootings and we're working burglaries. Uh, we're working like child molest, child abuse. Um, child pornography that's the kind of stuff that you know that we're working um so kind of a higher level crime is what detectives get assigned okay so So patrol officers can help solve crimes i mean if if we're talking about a stolen bicycle and it turns up somewhere else then that's something that they would handle without involving the detective unit is that correct correct Okay. I, I think one of the biggest misconceptions, everybody, not everybody, a lot of people are like, I want to be a detective. Well, all of us are detectives, right? right? The detective, a detective here in most agencies, like you said, higher crimes, but also it needs a lot of follow-up, right? Making sure that we get everything squared away for court uh, versus, you know, on patrol. You know, they just don't really have a lot of time to do a lot of follow-up, and then that's when it gets gets sent to a detective but i know me personally you know i i liked seeing a case through so if i was able to do follow-up i did and we can right and we can follow up and make that arrest but uh so yeah just it's a lot of the follow-up and and finding other people or sometimes if they're in different counties or states or whatnot that again a patrolman just doesn't have time to do so do you ever actually have to go on the scene of crime or do you always get it afterwards uh if it's if it's uh there's times where we have to go out to the scene yeah mm-hmm. um you know especially if you get that call in the middle of the night we're you know we're going to the scene um but by the time we get there the scene has been secured and and you know it's kind of the after effect i guess um but you know there's plenty of days i miss I miss being being on the road and work patrol. Yeah, um, that's you know that was fun. That was enjoyable. Um, but a lot of our stuff also is solved by patrol. You know, it's right. guys that patrol guys have talked to people and put good information in the system, or we can link things together and and connect people to different cases. And so that they're that's crucial. Their work is crucial to what how what what happens when we get a case. So. Um, the the reason the the work that they put into it prior to us getting it is is what's beneficial and it helps us to be able to solve some of the cases that we get. Right. Would you, if you had to say uh, assign a portion or percentage of cases that are solved through the proper use of interviews versus uh, physical evidence such as DNA or fingerprints or something? Can you can you talk? about that a little I bit i could i wouldn't even know like, you think it's about it's it's more interview right don't you think i mean it, the interview is a huge portion of right. it you know right um, and and i think that's that's kind of where the the gift of gab kind of gets you know i mean i hate to say it but we're gonna miss herb <laughs> i mean he was, he's he was uh he was very very it was he was with a guy that like when i came up here that's who i watched like mm-hmm um, if you don't know who I'm talking about, it's Herb Robinson. Um, he, he was phenomenal to watch, uh, watch him interview somebody. It's just, um, amazing. And so 
You know, that, that brings up a good point. You, you know, how long does it take you once you land in that division to become really good at being a detective? Well, I've been doing it for five years and I'm still not good. No, actually, you're, 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 you're a pretty good detective. But that learning curve, you know, when, you, when, you, when you're hired as an officer, you have this huge learning curve, right? Yeah. To, and it takes a long time. And, you know, it isn't, it isn't until a few years and you're like, okay, I, I feel comfortable with about anything I might end up having to deal with. As a detective, you kind of start that process all over again, don't you? I, I would say probably it took me about three, maybe about three years. And then I kind of started feeling like, okay, I can, I don't have as many questions to ask uh, other detectives um, on cases that I'm working, you know, so. And the, the training's different that you're sent to. The specialized training is way different. It's way different, yeah. yeah. I think it's so important, though, to learn something new, you know, because complacency kicks in, uh, you know, it, maybe you just, bo- not boredom, but, you know, you get tired of maybe doing the same thing and maybe a little disgruntled. I don't know, it just depends on the person, but uh, I really do. I think, I, I wish there was more opportunities for every patrolman to move in a different area. You know, do I think everybody would be a great detective? Probably not, right? I mean, everybody brings something different to the table, but uh, that change, I think, is so important. Uh, so if, if men and women have the opportunity to do so, I really highly recommend it. I know that, you know, I, I had a learning curve, and, you know, like you said, it kind of takes a while for you to come in your own in that, that new position. But it's so important for growth and learning. And Well, just, I mean, we're learning every day, just, you know, yeah. even even with, like, technology changing. Um, but I'm, I, learned, I feel like I learned something new every day up there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So with that being said, um, do you see a time – I don't know if this really ties in, but I wanted to ask this question. Do you see a time to where you think that a detective will work the night shift? Is that ever going to be a thing? Like, whoa, 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 what was the look for? No that, look. No look. How's I that? didn't know, like, has is that, is that ever been spoke spoke of? I think it's, it's spoke about often. I mean, I, I think there was night detectives when I was hired, I believe, um, 10, 11 years ago maybe. I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. I, I can't answer that. I have no idea. Um, evening shift, I was just shift, curious. I think. What's know? that? Like an evening, evening shift? shift? Might be. But, you know, a lot of the stuff that detectives do, they have to deal with businesses during business hours. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that. See, when, when you say night shift, I think midnight shift. Me too. That's what I think when you say I'm, night shift. I'm not shift, second not shift. Evenings. I'm thinking third. Yeah, I'm thinking midnight. It's like, you know, like midnight to six type thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know that because they get called in quite often. I didn't know if there was ever a time to where instead of getting called in, there was just maybe one or two that actually work that night shift. I didn't know if that was a thing. I'm not trying to like. I, I don't know. I have oh. no idea. I think a lot of our work, you know, like on on our end is we're dealing with, we work pretty hand in hand with the prosecutor's office. Yeah. A lot of times we have to work with Department of Child Services. Um, our interviews, a lot of our interviews that we do are done at, at not even at the police department. They're done at a different location. Yeah. Yeah. And most of those are on call as well. And it's, it's crazy the amount of people that uh, actually get called in. You know, people think it's just the police, and that's really not the case. Right. You know, it's a police, prosecutor, the the ladies over there at the Hartford House. I mean, yeah, good point. Uh, DCS. Yeah. I mean, there's there's DCS. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of of a lot goes into an agencies manpower that's getting activated. Yeah, and we all have to work. You know, I mean, it's we have to work together. We have to be able to share information and and be able to work as a team and and that's another thing i think that's another like you were talking about uh, going to the gym and meeting new people you know i think that's another thing moving in your position to where you're interacting with people from different agencies that maybe the patrolman doesn't get to um because they're running calls you know i mean they're obviously in engaging and and meeting new people out on the street but working side by side on a regular basis with other agencies is good experience and getting to know people. And it also shows you kind of how the system works a little more. Does Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's also kind of goes into attributes. I, mean, I think to be a good detective, you, you have to be a team player. Oh, yeah. Teamwork is huge, um, not just within other agencies, but working alongside other detectives in that division. 
you know, checking your ego and everybody taking on tasks on a particular case that, that you know, everybody working together. Did you always want to be a cop? Um, I don't think I probably always wanted to be a cop. I, I originally, when I went to college, I thought I wanted to get into computer stuff and that was just not, I just couldn't handle that. So, um, but now you have to get into it cause that's the yeah, way of the world. <laughs> I do. Yeah. But, um, I don't have like, I'm the, the only one in the fa- in my family that's, that's a police officer. Um, it's not something that's been, um, I guess, I don't know what I'm, and you started off, and so where'd you go to college? I graduated from Purdue. Oh, did you? Yeah. And you went to community corrections, I right? Was, yeah, I was there for eight and a half years before I came here. So. Did you know that? Did you guys know that? Doing what? When I left there, I was the deputy director. Wow. So. So you get to see a lot of the same people. I do. Now, okay, so here's the question. Who was like the driving force to come over here first out of the group. And you know who I'm talking about. Because <laughs> what there was three, the three of you, there right? Was, there were seven, six or seven of us from Community Corrections that came over here. So who came, who came over first? Um, was it Webb? I think it might have been Jeff Webb. Um, and then... I guess I didn't realize all you guys worked together. Then Jacob Dobbenmeyer. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Um, I didn't know Jake Shana, was over there. Didn't know Shauna was either. Shauna. I knew Shauna was. Shauna Wainscott. Uh, did, did Kurt come after Kurt? you, or you were at the same time? Robert? Kurt was 367, and then uh, Blake Switzer, and then I think I was last. But then, like, Cedro Madrano, he's Madrano's from Community Corrections. Oh, is he really? Uh, and then one of the guys that we just hired, he worked with Community Corrections. Henry? Yeah. So He did the, yeah, he worked for uh, Track Group. Yeah. There could be someone missing that I don't. I don't necessarily remember, but. Um. But when we were on patrol together, it was Kev, Switzer, and Sinks. They they. One two three. One two three. Those were the districts. They were down there, and they all come over from community corrections. Within about six months of each other. And then I tried to get in on the group, and I kicked Switzer out of two because <laughs> I had badge on him, and he wasn't very happy about that. And then I gave it back because I I liked. It. So we, we have, have city journal some feathers cars. over there by uh, pillaging all of you guys from the, that department, didn't we? Could have. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm thinking they they were in a, a hard spot for a while. If you guys all yeah. left, yeah, within six months' time. Well, that was me. Me sing, well, I'm, I'm talking about me sinks in Switzerland was all oh. all within about six oh. six months of each other. Yeah, because Web Web Webb and I hired Jim, on together. Sinks got hired in three sixty four. Badge number yeah. 364. Because you were 360. I was 373. 373. That's right. <laughs> it, yeah. And Kevin, what are we up to now? Badge Kevin, what's your, um, your biggest frustration working in detectives? Um, biggest frustration? Probably. I mean, it's just like you, sometimes you can close out a case today and you get two or three tomorrow so it's just a never i mean it's just, you just never you're caught up you right. just never can be caught up and and you do i mean it is important to have closure and so i think you know a lot of that probably drags out and that that would be frustrating to me the, the right, length of time it takes to wrap I can, everything up i can be done with my portion uh-huh. but then i'm waiting on something from you know the lab or or right. something else and that could take I mean, that can take months mm-hmm. to get stuff back from from the lab and, and so, so the stack on your desk just keeps growing it, it does yes it looks like you're not doing anything right yeah <laughs> <laughs> so kind of one of my last questions here we have a lot of openings at lpd you've been here for over 11 years now been in patrol detective what uh if, if somebody's on the fence maybe they're thinking about other agencies, you know, where should I go or, or, Hey, maybe I, I'm not sure if I want to be a cop or not. I mean, what, what advice would you give them? I mean, what would you, what would, what do you, um, what would you tell them to bring them here? I mean, what do you like about LPD? I'm asking a lot of questions right here. I apologize. But what do you see that LPD brings that nobody else does? So I, like I said earlier, you know, I had some personal stuff going on in my life, some some pretty um, dramatic stuff that that was very crucial in my life, and and the department was more than supportive. I mean, it was unreal um, the support that I got from the department. 
um, and how everybody just supported me, supported my family. Um, it was it was a huge deal to me um, as the support that I got from the, the from the department and the guys that I worked with and the admin and um, so that to me is there's there's nothing else that matters. The department is um, unreal to work for. It's great. The support that you get was just unbelievable. So um, good. Yeah. I, I don't know what else to say. No, no, that's great, man. You got anything else you want to ask them? Do you find that if the you got a juvenile that's a suspect, that the parents are more likely to shield their kid from consequences or encourage a kid to own up? And I think you're about fifty-fifty on that. I think it's. Um, I don't think they're. It, I don't think it kind of teeters one way or the other. I think you're. You're probably a fifty percent. Does that cross socioeconomic lines? I don't think so. No. Nope. That's a good question. I had fun on this one. It was good. Anything you want to add? Anything else? No, just appreciate you guys inviting me down here. Good we time. appreciate you See, coming. it's not – we for whatever reason, people – I don't know if they're – An invite. I got an invite from you. <laughs> yeah, get an invite. But you accepted that invite I don't to where I, a lot of people are like, oh, I, can't, I can't do a podcast. I don't think I technically accepted it. I just told you I would be here. <laughs> <laughs> but not so bad. It's fun, right? Yeah, I enjoyed it. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. He did say he listens to them. Tell so them it's not as bad as a polygraph. It's not as bad as a it's polygraph. Not. No, it's not. All right. Well, I appreciate everybody being here. Kev, keep it up. Keep up the good work. You work hard. You're a great detective, great cop, and uh, we appreciate you. Thank you. Yep. This has been Inside the Squad, a podcast from the Lafayette Police Department in Lafayette, Indiana. Inside the Squad is a community outreach podcast and is hosted by Specialist Theano Shields and Captain Brian Phillips. On today's episode of Inside the Squad, we talked with Detective Kevin Miller, who's been with the department since 2008. Kevin has been a part of the Juvenile Detectives Division for several years now and offers his insight on police work involving today's young people. Be sure to join LPD on Instagram, Twitter, Nixel, and Nextdoor. And you can email us show ideas and questions to podcast at lafayette.in.gov. We look forward to hearing from you.